welcome back to the Big Football Show, the Athletics Daily Podcast dedicated to Big Ten football. I'm Nicole Auerbach, National College Football Writer, Analyst of the Big Ten Network. And as always on Mondays, I'm joined by my friend Scott Dockerman, our Iowa Beat writer. Um, and we always like to start out by thanking you, our legends and listeners, for, for hanging out with us. It's, it's been a really fun fall getting to do this, and uh, we really enjoy the reception to this pod and everyone who made this part of your daily listening routine um if you if you do like us please subscribe rate and review us five stars just like ari wasserman's favorite prospects and you know it, it is such an interesting time because we are in between signing days um we're waiting for the cfp and the semifinals to get here and scott as we're recording this sunday night uh the biggest news came out in your neck of the woods uh tell, walk me through what happened on sunday and how unexpected this was this was a shocker uh, that uh, Missouri backed out of the Music City Bowl um, because of COVID cases. Uh, it was a shocker for everybody involved because I got a DM probably about 1230 today just saying, hey, Missouri has an uptick in their positive cases. Um, it looks like they're not going to be able to play. And I'm like, what? So I started to check around and uh, Iowa practice this morning. Had no idea. I checked with... Uh, people in the know there and they were like uh this is the first we've heard about it and before we know two hours later the whole thing was gone they had, i guess they had a meeting about 1 30 in the afternoon to discuss it with the bull missouri pulls out uh due to a significant uptick and uh and iowa was kind of left holding the bag and eventually just decided to cancel um the, the bowl game itself and move everyone on their merry way so this was a this was a very disappointing end to Iowa season because Iowa was probably one of the very few teams, Power Five teams anyway, interested in playing in its bowl game, right? And and, and had really a very strong month and a half to finish the season. I mean, won six games by a combined 131 points. Uh, only one game was within single digits. We actually within 14 points uh, of the outcome uh, and retained all four tro traveling trophies. So this was a pretty, a I think there was some agitation on the Iowa side because they were not informed uh, by what was going on at Missouri. And Missouri started to have issues, as we know, when, they, when the Tigers played Mississippi State. They had a couple of positives right afterwards. Yep. Um, then they, uh, they left, went to, for a brief Christmas celebration, came back, and there was a big uptick. That could have been caused by what was happening around Mississippi State. However, if they were starting to rise then and you're already down to 52 players, maybe it would have been the best to pull out, say, the very next day after the invitation rather than wait this long. Which, and then... which some SEC schools did, right. basically. They, that was the thing. They did not have any schools that opted out of the bowl games in advance, but they did have some teams that struggled right after accepting bids. And um, this is another one. And, and uh, you know, it is tough because I think you are right that there weren't that many teams that, A, were riding momentum into the postseason this year and not kind of just limping to the finish, but also really wanted to play and were motivated and, and playing their best football. So, you know, it is a shame. And, um, you know, there's always that moment of hope because we've seen so many games rescheduled on short notice. That oh could they could they play UAB could they play does Army want to play again you know yeah. like these teams that we knew wanted to play 
But what happens after, you know, UAB gets a game canceled on them is they send their players home. They, mm-hmm. they, they let them get out of this protocol because they've been in it for so long. So there, there were no other options uh, for Iowa to have a replacement team. And honestly, the abrupt um, end to a disjointed season feels very 2020. Um, and it, it is a shame, um, again, for programs that really wanted to have this opportunity to play. But, um, you know, that's where it is for Iowa. So there's really only a few bowl games left uh, with Big Ten teams playing in them. And we're going to spend most of this show going through the big one, um, which is obviously Ohio State reaching the college football playoff semifinal against Clemson. And let's start with my favorite storyline heading into this, which is that they really don't seem to like each other. I I really love this. I love that there is some vitriol. There's some real anger. And I also oddly loved that Dabo Swinney ranked Ohio State outside of the top 10. He ranked them number 11 on his final coaches poll ballot. And I love that because it's consistent. This is something that Dabo has been saying now for a few weeks is that he didn't believe that teams that played basically half of the schedule that his team played, that, that, that Notre Dame played, that Alabama played, should be in the playoff. And I thought that he actually backed that up with his vote. And I understand people were really annoyed. They're going to clearly use it as some bulletin board material. But I respected it. And I also like that now that it's out there, it adds something to this game. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, and this has become somewhat of a rivalry. I, I would agree at this point. Um, and I would say you, th- those three teams, Ohio State, Clemson, and, and Alabama, have kind of moved past everybody else because of the frequency in which they, they play in this playoff. And, um, you know, Ohio State now is 0-4 against, uh, against Clemson. But early on, he really didn't have a prop like, I want to say in September, September yeah, mm-hmm. that he was he was fine with what the Big Ten was going to do. And then he, he, his whole attitude kind of changed midseason. And I don't know if it was, hey, we, we've we endured a month, month plus more uh, scrutiny and issues than you have. And it doesn't seem fair that you can kind of jump in at midseason and coast to the finish line, which, of course, Ohio State never did. It was a rough year for them, too. Uh, but. I, I mean, I think anytime you can add a little starch to a situation like this, the better. It's not just, oh, shucks, we're just luck, glad to be here, blah, 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 po'boying it. I mean, it ramps it up because obviously Ohio State sees these comments as disrespectful and the vote is being disrespectful. And, and Dabo is just trying to, you know, hey, he's he's throwing the gauntlet on the floor for his own team. So I think this really adds up to a, uh, you know, quite a, interesting matchup so what do you think caused him to change his mind my my thinking I think you're right that like it is tough to get through a full month of this season and once you've kind of lived it you understand that but I sort of think that maybe he thought again we all were very hopeful that the Big Ten wouldn't have nearly as many disruptions as they did so in that initial schedule if Ohio State had played everyone on their schedule that would have been and correct me if I'm wrong, eight regular season games and then the championship. Mm. So maybe he was thinking it would be comparing nine versus 11 or 12, like not six. Because I think that's the the rub from everyone in the leagues that started earlier and got more games in is it just does not sound like it belongs in the same ballpark as the other teams that have played 10 and 11 games. And so I understand that. Maybe that was his thinking that if they got all their games and it would still be nine games. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, if you're going to play, there, you know, eight or nine games versus eleven or twelve, that's that's significant, but not six. I mean, the Big Ten adjusted its rules to allow Ohio State to get in, rightly or wrongly. I agree. I think it was probably the right thing to do because they were the best team. However, um, when it seems like people are adjusting things to make sure you get that chance to play, whether it's start your schedule late and change the the criteria to get to the championship, I think uh, Dabo is probably looking at it like, okay, you guys are doing whatever it takes to scoot you in and maybe fast track you in like you're at a ride at Disney World rather than... No, but do do you think there's something to the idea that they would be fresher? That's a great point. And I I guess I don't really know that. I mean, I guess that would be something to to suggest and think about because, you know, they didn't play the last regular season week of the year. Um, They started late. They had three disruptions. So sure, I, I imagine that can be something when you because every team at this point in the year, when you play a full schedule or close to it, is pretty banged up. I mean, they just have issues, whether it's significant bone bruises to, to legitimate injuries. So yeah, there is something to that. If uh, you know who is Trey Sermon before the Northwestern game, you know, and all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere and <laughs> sets the record book on fire. Um, so I, I guess I can understand that too, that if they're fresher, then that's at a serious disadvantage. So they shouldn't even be there to begin with. I can see that from his point of view. Yeah, I can too. And that's, that's kind of where I land on this because, you know, Brian Kelly, there were other coaches that are coaching in this playoff who, who said similar things. Dad has been the most vocal, but you know, it was clearly a thing, um, that they felt as well. And, and I, I do wonder because I, I think that could go both ways. Like I think, Ohio State probably would have liked more reps. I mean, I think that we've seen them be disjointed. We haven't seen Justin Fields' two worst performances were their two best games of the year. Like, I'm sure they would have liked the Michigan game to tune up for the Big Ten championship game. And, you know, and and to get more reps, especially considering what they lost from last year's roster. So I I do think that could go both ways. Um, And, you know, I, I just am very curious for this game. I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious if you look at, you know, the betting lines on these games, which one most people think is going to be closer um, and be a better game. And I think that coming off of the way that Ohio State lost to Clemson last year and the controversial nature of some of the calls, um, I, I think that, that there's natural storylines. There's natural reasons to be pulled to this. You've got the two quarterbacks that everyone you know, thinks could be the first two taken in the NFL draft. Although I guess Zach Wilson, according to our Dane Brugler, is kind of, you know, potentially going to be in that mix mm-hmm. as the second quarterback taken. Um, but these are the two guys who have kind of been paired and matched up and compared their entire football playing careers um, as elite players. And I think that, you know, considering what Trevor lost, considering what Justin Fields lost from last year's team, it makes it more interesting because I think – they're going to have to play slightly differently. And and it's something that I've talked to Grace Rayner about a bunch because she obviously covers Clemson so well for us. And, you know, they, they've had to break in new offensive linemen. The passing game is very different because for the last few years, you've had T. Higgins and Justin Ross, and basically they're basketball players out there, and you just throw these 50-50 mm-hmm. balls for them, and they're going to come down with it. They don't really have those guys anymore. They have great receivers, and Mari Rogers has been – you know, a terrific target year this whole season, ever since he came back from injury last year. And and Trevor's certainly better. Travis Etienne is more, they're more intentional about using him in the passing game. 
but you know, we did see him as a as as a receiving threat against Ohio State last time. Like we we have seen glimpses, but I'm very curious to see like the specifics. You also have a different, you know, you've got Tony Elliott as the, the offensive coordinator last year. Jeff Scott was still there too as co-OC. So there's interesting wrinkles to this um, that I think are going to be pretty fun. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know. We don't know exactly how impacted by COVID Ohio State will be in this game. We do know that the adjusted protocols is significant, according to Ryan Day. But the personnel questions and the way that they're different from last year are really intriguing to me as someone, again, who is very amped and excited for this game. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's really a lot of when you boil it down. I mean, it all comes down in a lot of cases to the individual matchups, the smallest details, um, who has better leverage on a third down pass. You know, is it the wide receiver who can, you know, on a slant uh, or is it the defensive back who could beat the, the uh, to the receiver of the ball? I'm I'm fascinated with how Ohio State gets to the quarterback. And because Chase Young last year was as dominant and devastating of an edge rusher as we've seen in the Big Ten in a long mm-hmm. time, really since Ryan Kerrigan and some of those guys way back when. And he's a different, I mean, he's just got the quick twitch burst off the edge that's really hard to replicate. And Ohio State really doesn't have that this year. Now they have good players, don't get me wrong, they always do. And, they're, and they have some good players in the secondary, but they've been vulnerable at times. And I, I'm sure they're, they're aware of that. So, you know, are, can they mask those deficiencies? Can they, uh, you know, can they get after Trevor Lawrence? And then once, if they do, can they contain him? Can they keep him in the pocket? Can they force him to make mistakes that he really doesn't make all that often? So very I, rare. Yeah, I'm so. This is a this is an off awfully tough matchup, I would say for for the Buckeyes, just because defensively, I'm not sure how they contain and you know the way they did last year. Last year they had a great defense. This year I'm not as I'm not as sold on them. I mean, after watching that second half against Indiana, and I'm thinking, um, you know, Clemson's got better players than even Indiana does, and, and yeah. I think that could be a real problem for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I, I do too. I think that um, last year's Ohio State team was was better than this year's Ohio State team. And um, again, but the one thing I will say is I don't think we've seen Ohio State's ceiling yet, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way that the season unfolded the stop and start nature of it. Um, and, you know, again, like like Trey Sermon, what if they just gotten the ball to him earlier in the season, realized that that was going to work earlier in the game against Northwestern, even though he set the record, everyone was kind of yelling at their TVs to hand the ball off to him. So I am, um, I'm, I'm very interested to see, you know, the particulars of this matchup. It's also going to be the shortest turnaround time between finding out the playoff pairings and the game, less than two weeks total. Which, you know, again, in any other year, we'd be like, that would be the main storyline. And, and everyone would probably be complaining about the prep. But here, you know, we've, we've had a season where we've had games played, scheduled and played two, three days out. So it actually feels kind of normal. Um, and clearly there's, there would be some advanced, advanced scouting and, and things of that nature, too. And, and I think that what, what's also interesting here, especially with the, the way that the Big Ten kind of put all their chips in on Ohio State and and made those adjustments, as you mentioned, for the, the qualification for the championship game. The the 21-day, you know, COVID protocol going down to 17 feels like an Ohio State thing. I think that it is, you know, the timing certainly helps them, but it's in every sport, right? And this is something that's really going to be beneficial for basketball teams. So I understand the perception of that rule change, but I think practically – 
Um, it's going to be much bigger for basketball to get a season in than it is for Ohio State to play in one game. But I, I do think that because of the way that the Big Ten realized and acted upon this idea that this is their playoff chance, there's a lot to be gained by making the playoff. That's the reason that they started and ended the season the way that they did to try to squeeze it in. I'm interested in how this might end up being a referendum on the Big Ten, because I think that's something that's naturally happened in this playoff era. I, I don't think it happened quite as much in the BCS era when only two teams played for a national championship. I don't think we talked as much about the last time the Pac-12 reached the title game. Like we did, we did talk about like droughts of, of winning it. But now we talk about droughts of not making the four-team playoff or getting blown out in the semifinals. And, you know, it's it's this reputation thing. And I do wonder what Ohio State winning or losing would mean about the, the, the league. And again, like all of those incremental steps throughout, you know, the summer, the reversal, deciding to start, changing requirements, things like that, in order to put Ohio State into this position, if it works out, clearly it's all worth it. Yeah, big picture. There, there are a lot of questions associated with the Big Ten, I mean, going forward, because th things stick to you like Velcro in college football. It's hard to shake reputations. It's really hard to shake negative uh, reputations. Um, the BCS era was notorious for the SEC champ got in and then somebody else. That was pretty much it. Um, it hurt the Big Ten, I thought, in 2013. Uh because of reputation, because I thought Michigan State was the second best team in the country, personally. Um, and I thought Auburn was third. Auburn was the SEC champ. So therefore, Auburn gets the chance to play Florida State. It was a great game. And, and, yeah. and, and you know, but Michigan State won the Rose Bowl with a dramatic uh, stand there in the, in the end of the game. I thought Michigan State's defense was the best that I had seen, and it should have had that opportunity. It did not. So therefore, uh, because it only lost by three points versus 14. To, for Auburn, I you know earlier in the year. However, um, this is a um, this is a situation that it will stick. I mean, if Clemson blows out Ohio State, the Big Ten is going to have some you know it, there's there's some scarring right now for the Big Ten, and it's going to stick for a while. It's going to stick from the wishy washy nature of the off season of uh, what happened in Ju July when the Big Ten went at it alone to only have. Uh, conference-only games, to canceling early, to will they play, will they won't play, they changed the schedule three times, then all of a sudden, then all the, the criteria in order to play, and and then everybody canceling games, and then Ohio State not really, really only getting one seat, you know, one quality opponent, because some of the teams in the East that were normally, are at least good teams, top 20 teams, weren't very good this year. And so there's a lot to, to digest with that. But if they go and lose decisively, I won't even put a point to it, it's all going to reflect on the Big Ten as a whole. Why wasn't Penn State better? Why was Michigan terrible? Michigan yeah. State, um, Indiana was your best team. And, it, and even though, and this is the one sport where people look at names of schools and associate good or bad versus simply that, the, the quality of the team. I mean, Indiana is known for being a downtrodden team, not for being a good team, which they are this year. Same thing in the West. Uh, so the Big Ten's reputation is kind of at stake for Ohio State to at least perform. Um, and if not, 
it's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long off season, and the Big Ten's going to have to earn its way back into kind of uh, gain, gaining respect throughout college football. It's funny how weird, like you said, these things stick, like Velcro, because you know Oklahoma has had Heisman winners. They have you know made the playoff. They you know have owned the Big Twelve X amount of years in a row. And their narrative right now is that they get blown out in the playoff, right? They still haven't won a game in the playoff. And then, you know, the Pac-12, you know, they're dismissed. They're not even thought of. They're an afterthought. They're not even mentioned for two hours in the selection mm-hmm. show and all of these things. And yet, here we are discussing if the Big Ten team that made the playoff only playing six games, getting all that benefit of it out, uh, gets, you know, gets blown out. What that, you know, the referendum that means for the league. This is part of, and I know we, we constantly talk about this, but this is what we don't like about the playoff era, about this prism of how we evaluate success or not. And, um, you know, I, I just think that that is something we also need to think about heading out of this season is what we want the sport to be and how we want to define success. And, you know, all of those different pieces, like kind of like a theoretical conversation, because I, I do think that's, you know, important. And, and I also wonder, too, in the other semifinal, I know this isn't Big Ten specific, but we're talking about the idea of being blown out because that has been such a characteristic of so many semifinal games. And I, I, I think Notre Dame making the field, having lost uh, conference championship weekend, having been blown out, and typically in the past that has been a disqualifier for Ohio State, as Ohio State fans know, but any playoff team, what happens to Notre Dame could also affect the way things move forward as well, because if they get blown out, then you, you really got to look at how, again, we, in different years we talk about how teams have lost more so than this year, but you don't want blowouts in this round. I, I don't think Ohio State-Clemson will be a blowout. I think these are really interesting teams and interesting matchup. The other one I feel very differently about. You know, I think that if Alabama, you know, is, is scoring in two, three plays, you know, scoring in 30 seconds, whatever they can do to pretty much everyone on their schedule this year, Notre Dame can't keep up. And then it's it's about what you're trying to do because these committees are trying to, the committee is trying to figure out two, the four best teams to get two great semifinal games and a great national championship. Um, and so, you know, I do think blowouts are a little bit of an issue there and, you know, it, again, if you take a team that has shown that it is possible to be blown out of the water in a game, that could change some things moving forward. I don't think that's going to happen in Ohio State Clemson. I, again, I, I just don't think we've seen the ceiling yet for the Buckeyes. Um, but certainly Justin Fields would need to play better than he has in, in the two best games that they have. And I think you're right, though, if they lose, that I think that the attention does fall squarely on the offseason I think attention falls squarely back on Michigan and Penn State, which out of sight, out of mind. They're not playing bowl games. We're not talking about it. Michigan has decided to move on from Don Brown. There's going to be a defensive coordinator hire. People will be excited. All of these things are going to happen. But if Ohio State somehow does not keep that game competitive, we're going to be talking about all of that again. What's wrong with the Big Ten? What's wrong with this team? What's wrong with that team? Um, and all of these other issues that are kind of, you know, just simmering. And again, like we made it through the season, turning a page. You won't really be able to turn that page if, you know, they all come back, um, you know, to, to top of mind. So I am very curious because, again, I think that this is stuff that I didn't necessarily think would happen in the playoff era, that we would be so focused on like conference relativity, re- relativity and you know kind of just all these things being grouped together in patterns like it just didn't feel 
like that as much. It's almost like doubling the access points made it really, really obvious which leagues aren't part of things now. Yeah, there are there's some kind of sliding of the continents, you know, after the Big Bang here with the playoff. I mean, it's it's really, you know, the Pac-12, as you said, out of sight, out of mind. What's the what's the legitimate access access points for group of five teams, group of five conferences? Is there a pecking order? Should, you know, a, a, a discussion for me out of the group of five needs to be you need to make the best group of five team accessible to the playoff committee. And if that means you end your conference season and even conference championship games, Thanksgiving weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving and start some sort of a crossover challenge to where Cincinnati plays a coastal Carolina or a San Jose state or a Boise state in other years to where, okay, you cannot ignore this team. That's too good. Um, that those teams have to figure something out that way because of all the years, you know, and I know this is the Big Ten, but, you know, of all the years, this would make sense to have a Cincinnati in there. It's like, you know, how do you pick between Notre Dame and, and Texas A&M? Both teams got blown out. Nobody thinks that any either one of them is going to win the national title, and that needs to be question number one or 1A or 1B at the latest is, can any of these teams win the national title? In the first round of, of the uh, playoff, when you had TCU and, and Baylor left out and Ohio State sneak in, I think the answer was yes. I think all of them had a chance to win the playoff. Now I don't say that. And so Cincinnati should have that opportunity. Now uh, going forward for the Big Ten, uh, college football is and always will be set up for the Blue Bloods. Um, That's including in the conference structure. Um, The Big 12 looks bad if Texas isn't good. If that's a Texas-Oklahoma game last week instead of Iowa State-Oklahoma, the teams are treated differently. If Indiana's good, that's great, as long as Michigan and Penn State are too. Um, but when they're not good and, and Wisconsin's a slump, you know, slumbering a little bit, then it makes everybody look bad. So there's a lot of, I think 2020 explo- exposed a lot of flaws in the system, in the conferences themselves. And they really, I think everybody needs to have a wipe the slate clean and say, if you were starting college football tomorrow, what would you do differently? How would you adjust this? And I would even go as so far as to say, do you, uh, you know, abolish conferences? No, but you should at least discuss the idea. You should discuss every idea to try to make this a better game because it used to be about having a great season. Now it's, for some schools, it's if you didn't even make the playoff, is your coach, should your coach be fired? Yeah, And, and, uh, you know, look at Harbaugh, for instance, this year, notwithstanding to have 10 win seasons, that that's pretty good in the scheme of college football at Michigan. And you're getting blown out by Ohio state. It's terrible. And this year they didn't play Ohio state. And for some reason they, they canceled on Iowa despite having numbers that were above that threshold. So I don't know. Um, I think they've got a lot of soul searching to do as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you that we are heading into an off season of soul searching for, for the sport, um, its leadership. And again, a lot of the things that, you know, people thought were kind of laid bare this year. So a lot at stake, um, you know, throughout this. And, and you know, here's here's hoping, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan that maybe Trevor Lawrence is distracted by, you know, future housing purchases in Jacksonville or something this week as he preps for the, for the semifinal game. Um, poor Trevor. I thought he was going to get to go to New York and, uh, he's kind of excited to see, to see the, the luscious locks 
you know, on some billboards in, in Times Square or something like that. But um, so it, it is going to be an interesting week. Again, it's a shortened uh, prep for these semifinal games, which they're not used to. Going to be really fascinating because these teams do have some familiarity. Um, so we will prepare and preview that big semifinal game um, and any other Big Ten storylines the rest of the week. Don't forget to listen tomorrow, Tuesday. It's Bill Landis and Audrey Snyder. They break down the East, which, again, we've been talking about this, where Ohio State is coming from. They'll be prepping you for the game. And uh, before we leave, we, we just wanted to say thank you to our legends and listeners for spending some time with us and adding us to your podcast rotation this fall. We know we were new. We know you're trying different things with different hosts all week, and we hope you've really enjoyed the variety of content from us. For, for Scott Dockerman, I'm Nicole Auerbach, and we will see you next Monday.